0: welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today is my Christmas special where I'll be talking about Kiss Her Once For Me by Allison Cochran and I have a different setup than usual today as I'm recording. So if I, I say act weird as if you could see me, but um, if the audio levels are a bit different than usual that's why because i don't have my mic in the same place as normal anyways so kisser once for me is a sapphic romance set at christmas it's fake dating however the main character gets fake engaged to the brother of the woman she's in love with oh crazy stuff it was so good i really liked it And this was my December book of the month pick, which I picked out so I could get my free book of the year. And I also did an add on. So keep your eyes peeled and your ears ready. I don't know what sort of phrase to say for that, but get ready for probably in a few months to hear an episode about the second book in the um, A River Enchanted series. What is it? The Elements of Cadence duology. So I got the second book, A Fire Endless or something like that. And I'm really excited for it, but I'm going to reread the first book first, and I won't get to it until January. You're listening to this episode. I mean, this episode comes out in December, the week of Christmas. And so I guess I should say that there is a backlog of episodes that are also going to be coming out after this that were recorded before. Why did this happen? I was concussed, and then I was on vacation for Thanksgiving. So, you know, things... Got backed up. But I'm happy to be here with you. This is the first time in a long time that I've recorded something and then immediately posted it. But I'm super happy and excited to be talking about this Christmas romance because it's one of the first Christmas romances I've liked in a long time, which is something I'll be talking about in the discussion section. So before we get into it, if you, I have to issue a few warnings. First is my spoiler warning. If you don't want Kiss Her Once For Me by Allison Cochran to be spoiled, stop here, go read the book. If you're looking for a good holiday romance, if you're looking for a good sapphic romance, then this is the book for you. It was super good. And then come back and listen to this episode after you've read it. And with that, let's get into the plot summary. So I've already told you the premise of the book. So the main character, her name is Ellie. And last Christmas, one year ago, she had the most perfect day where she fell in love with this woman named Jack, and they spent the night together, and then her heart was broken the next morning when she woke up, but we don't know why at the beginning. And Ellie used to be an animator, so she moved to Portland and got this job like animating um, characters, and she's an artist, all these different things, but she lost her job about three months after Christmas. And so she's now working at this coffee shop. She hates it. She's almost broke. And she's trying to get this promotion there because her rent is going up. So at the beginning of the book, she is there like asking her boss if she's going to get this promotion, but she's like five minutes late to work. So he's like, no, I will not be promoting you. And their landlord happens to be there. His name is Andrew Kim Prescott. And he ends up um, asking her out for a drink and then proposing a fake marriage. Which we later find out is because his grandfather has recently died and in his will him and he's supposed to inherit two million dollars, I believe. And the only way he can do that if he is if he is married. and he promises Ellie ten percent. so two hundred thousand dollars if she were to marry him. she uh, quits her job when she agrees to this and she's like not gonna be able to live in an apartment like all this different stuff. And so she, it is Christmas time, because it's now a year later from that first perfect Christmas with Jack, and she is going with Andrew to his family's cabin to celebrate Christmas there for like a week and a half or something like that. But when she gets there, she finds out that Andrew's sister Jacqueline is Jack, the woman that she fell in love with the year before. So the other thing I need to talk about is that So, like I've said, Ellie is an artist, an animator, and there's this thing, it's called Drawn 2 in the book, but it's basically just webtoons, so it's like graphic novels online. And she immortalized basically that one perfect day in a series she called The Snow Day because it happened on a snow day. She talks about snow magic. I, too, think snow is quite magical. I'm really, I have my fingers crossed for a white Christmas this year. So, we see scenes from her day with Jack throughout the book. So it's really awkward, and at first, Jack pretends not to know who she is, but then later, like, is like, well, you're engaged to my brother. We can never tell him what happened. And also there is Jack's best friend named Dylan, and Dylan is non-binary. And we find out that Andrew and Dylan dated, question mark. They had, like, a fling, and they hooked up last Christmas as well. And then they have their mom, Catherine, And two grandmas who one of them is the first wife and one is the second wife to um, their grandfather who passed away in the beginning of the book. But he's never on page, but he's like a real piece of work. And then the dad is supposed to come. I don't know what his name was, Alan, but he keeps putting it off. So then we have like, you know, a bunch of fun Christmas events, you know, just doing their thing. Like, okay, they had a snowball fight. They make Christmas cookies. They go skiing. Like they do these different things. And we, Ellie basically is having like a a crisis because she's like, I'm not over Jack. She like calls her best friend Meredith and like is talking about that. And then she finds out, so the reason we find out the reason why she left Jack last Christmas is because the next day she woke up and Jack's wife, Claire, was there. And Claire was like, oh, I told Jack to go have a one night stand, but I didn't believe she would do it. So Ellie was mortified and left. And then Jack, like, the two of them kind of have a conversation, and Jack's like, why did you leave? Like, I thought that we had something special, and Ellie's like, well, I met your wife. And then we find out that they're no longer married, and what ended up basically happening is that after Jack married Claire, uh, maybe like a year or two later, Claire is like, I'm actually polyamorous, and so, like, Claire was basically, like, had some other girlfriends, and Jack realized that she actually liked monogamy and did not want to be in a polyamorous relationship and so that's kind of why they end up getting divorced but also like why she had this night with Ellie and then um they end up kissing at a bar and like Jack's like you don't love my brother why are you marrying him all this different stuff they end up stranded in a cabin and we find out also at the bar that the reason why Andrew's doing this is cuz Jack was written out of the will and Jack basically so the family's very rich But Jack is always like, I've been the screw up, like she dropped out of college and then her family wouldn't support her anymore, but like monetarily, but like they still speak to her or whatever. And she became a baker and is now opening a bakery called the Butch Oven, which is like a sort of pun on Dutch oven, but it's an imperfect rhyme, which they talk about. Anyways, so and she like made it sound like, oh, she had the money from the trust to fall back on. So Andrew's like, she was written out of the will. So one million of those dollars are actually hers which is why I have to do this blah 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 Ellie doesn't tell her but then like basically like they have this night and she's like I'm not going to marry Andrew and then the next morning it's kind of freaking out and then she gets an email that somebody has reached out and wants to publish her webtoons into like a graphic novel for adults so they make it back and she like tells her the name of the um graphic novel or like her webtoon or whatever and her, she goes to Andrew and she's like, we can't do this, like, I'm in love with your sister. And he's like, well, I slept with Dylan while you were gone. So that's kind of, so they're, they're going back and they're gonna tell the family, except Jack looked up the webtoon while they were having this discussion. And she, while she was there, Ellie was writing one called The Arrangement, which was basically about like a fictionalized, but pretty true to the source story of what was going on in this book. And so obviously the whole family is very upset and mad at her so she leaves and spends christmas her best friend meredith flies in and so she leaves with no money no relationship and no apartment because she's going to get evicted so one of her friends from the coffee shop ends up like letting her move in and meredith gives her some like Some hard life truths about how Ellie's afraid of failure, blah, blah, blah. So she Ellie kind of starts over her life. She starts working part-time at the art store. She is trying to put this, she emails back the agent or the editor, and she is writing this graphic novel for them. And also working on herself. There's also a storyline that she's got very toxic parents who didn't want her. And like her mom just calls her and asks for money, so she cuts her mom off at the end. This is also related to failure and people not wanting her, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, about a month later, Andrew shows up and kind of apologizes for kind of letting her take the blame when everything went down. And he's like, "Ah," and it says that he's dating Dylan now and that while they're not getting married anytime soon, when he does eventually get married, Ellie is going to get this $200,000 and tells her that Jack's Um, bakery is having a soft opening on Valentine's Day and invites her. We find out that other family members also like come around and kind of apologize and um, also invite her to this. So Ellie shows up and kind of makes a last ditch effort to apologize and say she's getting better and she's sorry that she was afraid of failing and blah blah blah. And Jack is like, okay, thanks but no thanks. So Ellie leaves and she's crying but it's snowing again and the whole time we have the magic of snow kind of throughout this. And Jack ends up following her, and they end up on the bridge where they shared their first kiss during the, like, past timeline, which I told you none of it, but that's okay. And she's like, no, I do want to take the chance with you, basically. And then they kiss, and then it's over. So that's the plot of the novel. And I would like to say I enjoyed it a lot. Let's talk about my misses with Christmas romances in the past few years. So this is the third year that I... Wow, I can't believe I've had Book of the Month this long, but... This is my third year that I've gotten a Christmas romance from book of the month. And this is the first time it's actually hit. You can listen to my In a Holidays episode where I absolutely, I don't want to say tore that book apart, but like I think if I listened back to it, it'd be pretty clear that I didn't enjoy that book. I didn't hate it. It was fine. But the timeline or the time loop element of that book just, it it didn't work for me. And then last year I read, um, I don't, I don't actually, the holiday swap or something like that, where it was these two identical twins who swap lives and then they both fall in love with people pretending as they're pretending to be their sister. Um, That one was fine also. So I like didn't have that high of expectations or hopes for this book. And it blew me away. This is the best Christmas romance I've read in a long time. I mean, the other Christmas romance I really like is called Puppy Christmas by Lucy Gilmore which is such a dumb name but it's the second book in the series about these three sisters who own a service dog training company and it's about the oldest sister and it's set at Christmas so it's like it it's not really about Christmas but it's set around Christmas um so I don't really know if it's a Christmas novel but now I like to read it around Christmas it's one of my all-time faves I love that book so much And I've read some other, like, generic free iBooks, Christmas stories, and um, some stuff on Wattpad and whatever, but I haven't really been blown away by anything until I read this. I had, I don't know if I just had low expectations, but honestly, from, I've only read, like, 10 pages of this, and I already knew I was going to like it, and I think part of that is the writing style was really good, like, I was able to fly through it, the characters were very endearing, like, Ellie, you're only getting Ellie's perspective through the whole thing. And I really liked Ellie. I liked the way that her voice was coming through in this book. And I think if you know that you really like the character, especially in a romance novel right at the beginning, it's almost always pretty clear that, yeah, you are going to like the book. So that definitely helped. And I mean, the author's love for Taylor Swift did not hurt. So Alison Cochran also wrote The Charm Offensive, which is about, that's a male-male romance, and that is about basically kind of like a bachelor situation where the main character is the bachelor, but then he's really socially awkward, so one of the producers takes him on practice dates, and then the two of them fall in love. I haven't read it, but I have, like, heard a lot about it. I would be maybe willing to give it a... I would be willing to give it a chance just because of how much I like this book. And I will, whatever Allison's next book is, I definitely want to pick it up because I thought that their writing style was fabulous. I really liked it. My favorite part about Allison, though, is that she is a huge Taylor Swift fan and I am also a huge Taylor Swift fan, which is something I don't know if any of you would know about me if you don't know me in real life because... I'm trying to think of any other book I've read uh, for this, I would say for this podcast as though I read books specifically for the podcast, which is almost never the case. Um, but I don't think I've really talked about Taylor Swift on the podcast, all of that is to say. But in Allison's bio at the end, one of the last lines is, she controversially believes Evermore is the greatest Christmas album of all time. And which is so funny. So Evermore, if you're not familiar, is the second of Taylor's surprise releases. It came out after Folklore. It was most definitely overshadowed by the fact that Folklore became Album of the Year. And then only a few months later, Taylor released um, Fearless Taylor's version. So Evermore didn't really get its chance to shine. There are definitely some gems. I prefer Folklore to Evermore. However, one of my best friends is a huge Evermore stan. That's one of her faves, and Evermore has a song called "Tis the Damn Season," which is basically about when you go home for the holidays and you hook up with the same person you hook up with every single year when you're home for the holidays. And then there's other songs that are kind of set at winter, like Champagne Problems has uh, a reference to decking the halls, and so like it's kind of like a fun Taylor Swift universe argument about like whether or not Evermore is a Christmas album. I don't really think it's a Christmas album. But I love that the author mentioned that in this book. The other thing is that Taylor Swift is mentioned a ton in this book. Actually, pop culture is huge. So, like, one of Jack's personality traits is that she loves pop music, specifically pop music from the 2010s. Like, so throughout the book, you'll have her, like, putting on her playlist and then it'll just be, like, random songs from 2010 and, like, or from the, the aughts or whatever. I guess that's not the tens, that's the zeros, but whatever. So she's got these songs playing, which is fun. And then there's also a lot of reference to Christmas music, music, and specifically to um, Holly Jolly Christmas, which is where the uh, title of this book comes from, Kiss Her Once For Me. And that song is kind of playing. And Last Christmas also gets a lot of references because there's like the reference to the last Christmas that Ellie had was with Jack and it was her magical Christmas and all this different stuff. So like sometimes when you read a book, all the pop culture stuff can either A, date a book or B, just be annoying. But I didn't find that in this case, I think for two reasons. One, I love Taylor Swift. So any reference to Taylor Swift is fabulous. And I'm going to talk about them a little bit in a second. And then two... Christmas music is pretty timeless so when you reference Christmas songs it doesn't feel like very much tied to a year and then all of Jack's music that she's talking about is from the 2000s and 2010s so it's already talked about as being dated in this book so it again it doesn't feel like when you read if I read this five years from now I'm not going to be like Wow, that's pretty dated now, or whatever, because it's already references to the past. So I think that might be the key to having pop culture references in books. But to talk a little bit more about Taylor Swift, basically, there was just a few different references. Like the main character will be like, It took 17 consecutive listens to Tis the Damn Season for us to get X Place, which I think is funny. And then in the um, flashbacks, when she's like talking about like her time with Jack, they had like an. They didn't have an argument, but they talked about what the best Taylor Swift album was. And Ellie says Evermore kind of as a stand-in for the author. And then Jack says that Lover is her favorite Christmas al- or favorite al- Taylor Swift album, not Christmas album or just album in general, her favorite Taylor Swift album, which is just so funny because nobody's favorite Taylor Swift album is Lover. And if you are, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. There's so many options and you pick Lover. And this isn't even just, like, I like Lover. There's a few songs on Lover that are, like, some of my all-time favorite Taylor Swift songs. But nobody's favorite album is Lover, and Jack is a lover apologist, and it makes me laugh. It also made me think of my friend. But, um, so that's enough about Taylor Swift. And speaking of these, like, flashbacks, I want to talk a little bit about the graphic novel Webtoon, art aspect so first of all i really much enjoyed that ellie was an artist and like you could really like there's a lot of references throughout the whole thing of her drawing panels for her like web her drawn twos her webtoons whatever and like just about her being an artist and like how she became one and why and like there's a lot of like basically her parents sucked and she realized she was good at art and she got compliments and nobody ever complimented her because her parents are awful So she became an artist and, like, realized this was something she was good at. And then she started her, like, prestigious job post-grad school and was just failing, wasn't doing well. And she ends up getting fired and she doesn't try and get a new job. She just kind of quits because she's afraid of failure, which is kind of a theme throughout the book, um, which I might touch on more later, depending on how much time I have. But uh, so basically, I really enjoyed that aspect. But I want to talk a little bit about so... The way that the flashbacks to Last Christmas were written is that they were like excerpts basically from her webtoon that she had created called Snow Day or whatever that and it it would be like episode one or things like that. So if you understand what I'm saying, they weren't necessarily chronologically in order, but they thematically fit with where they were. And I want to say that I think it's like would make sense to translate that into like, I, I believe that Ellie translated all of that into a graphic novel. However, in the book, it's not a graphic novel. It's, like, written like a normal book is. I think it would have been really cool if it was a graphic novel, but the author is not an artist, so she would have had to have somebody come and do that. And you can also tell that that, like, basically the way it's written is not directly translatable as a graphic novel because there's a lot of setting description which if it was a graphic novel you would just see it you don't have to describe it and also like a lot of internal monologue or like action description and things like that that don't like there's not a lot of dialogue and that in a graphic novel mostly all the words are dialogue so it doesn't really translate what like as I'm reading it I don't believe as though I'm reading something that came from a graphic novel however I it didn't bother me that much but I did want to talk about it I think it would have been really cool if it had actually been a graphic novel. I wonder if they ever, like, thought about doing that, but then another name has to be added to the book and you have to share revenue and all this other stuff. So, I get it. Next, I want to talk about, like, um, how this book was low-key messy, but I was here for it. So, Ellie calls this a love trapezoid, I believe, in the book because she's engaged to Andrew, but Andrew and Dylan have previously hooked up and Ellie and Jack have previously hooked up so it's a messy love trapezoid and it's also messy because nobody's telling each other these different things Ellie's the only one aware of everybody's different connections and then it's also messy because at one point Ellie and Jack end up under mistletoe and the grandma who like one of the grandmas who goes by Meemaw like actually put everything together because Jack had called her after Christmas last year and like told her about this girl, Ellie, who broke her heart, blah, blah, blah. So she put it together, but um, nobody else knows. And um, so she's like, oh, you guys need to kiss. So that's a little messy. Like, I don't know if I brought my fiance home, whether they were fake or real. And my family doesn't use mistletoe. I really don't know anybody who actually legitimately puts up mistletoe at Christmas and then gets stuck under the mistletoe that feels very much just like a plot device in books, movies, TV shows. If you have ever been stuck under the mistletoe or have actually seen mistletoe in real life, some you put it up in your house or one of your family members or friends does, please let me know because it just seems like not a real thing. Anyways, so if that did happen, I would not be like, yeah, just go kiss this person even though we're together. Weird. But then it's also messy because Ellie and Jack kiss at this bar and then later they have sex and then Dylan and Andrew also have sex. So like it just is a little messy, but I it was like messy in a good way. I don't really like because you know like I you know it's fake, so it doesn't really feel like cheating except for the fact that both Dylan and Jack think that it's cheating because they don't know it's fake. So that's how it's messy. So like low key, this was very messy, but in the best way possible. I don't know if anybody else felt that way. I didn't mind it at all. I loved it. Um, I thought it was fun. I also want to talk about how there was really, really good LGBTQ plus rep in this book and in a way that did not feel checklisty. Like as I was reading this, it, rem- it struck me as the exact opposite of, of that Kit Sweetly book I read, The Life in Medieval Times of Kit Sweetly, back. It's one of my very first episodes, so I think I read it summer of 2020, and I hated that book. I hated that book for many reasons. First of all, that book did a horrible job of um, portraying what it's like to be poor. Like, that family, like, doesn't have power, and the main girl's, like, going off, like, eating at restaurants and, like, not working and, like, all this different stuff versus, like... But then the other problem I have with that book is that the representation in it felt very checklisty. like okay basically you have the main character who's like this white girl and then it's like okay well we'll make her love interest half Indian half Russian and then I think her best friend was maybe black and then they had like I think her best friend was also a lesbian I can't remember and then they had like one other random friend who was trans and like one other random friend who was like gay and then one other random friend who was like Hispanic or like whatever. Like it just felt very much like the author was like, let me pick one of everything. That did not feel this way. I didn't feel that way at all about the characters in this book. And we really had almost everything going for us. Jack and Andrew are both half Korean. Ellie's bisexual. Jack's a lesbian. Andrew says at one point about his sexuality, I'm like a Bechdel test. What, whatever you see about me says more about you. Fake engaged to Jack ends up dating Dylan, who is non-binary. So, and then, yeah, Dylan is non-binary. And then um, a bunch of other, like, random, si- random side characters that Ellie ends up, like, the friend she works with is polyamorous and in a relationship with women, I don't really remember if she had like a label for her sexuality or not. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to just like put one on her, but like, and then all the other people she ends up living with in this house that she moves in at the end are also part of the LGBTQ community. And it felt very much like a celebration of the community and that everybody was allowed to be who they were and messy a little bit. And it wasn't like, um, it wasn't a big deal it just was and it felt very nice and refreshing and I enjoyed that a lot um it was also interesting so this takes place in Portland and then it was interesting because Jack and Ellie had a lot of conversations and like Ellie at the beginning her friend Meredith will like screenshot her like tinder profiles basically and be like oh go out with this person or go out with that person and Ellie basically Ellie's all see also demisexual which means that she bas- has to have some sort of, like, emo- emotional connection in- to somebody before she feels sexual attraction for them, which is why her magical day with Jack was very magical because it felt like she knew her instantly and they were able to have that romantic connection earlier on than she had ever been able to do with anybody else. And it was just, like, very enjoyable having all of this good representation in the book. But, like, oh, that's what I was going to say. So the other thing is that it was interesting because, like... um basically jack her previous wife claire's ends up being polyamorous ellie's friend aries polyamorous and ellie's talking about how it's hard to date women in portland because they're all polyamorous and it was interesting to kind of like see that conversation and like also jack talking about how they're going to be um she didn't say good lesbians because ellie's not a lesbian but like whatever that they were going to be I don't remember that they were going to actually talk about their feelings. I can't remember what it was and trying to find it would take me too long. Um, But like, I just found it really enjoyable that they were able to have these conversations. Also, what was enjoyable is like, there was nothing like there was a little bit at the end from the Jack and Andrew's dad of him probably being kind of homophobic of some sort, but the rest of the family was just like, we love you like this, that and the other. And so like, that was really enjoyable too, that it was like, You know what this reminds me of, but in a different way. Like how when I read "Get a Life," Chloe Brown series, the Brown Sister series by Talia Hibbert, I saw it described as kind of like Black Joy because all the main characters were, well, all the women in those books were black, and it there was no racism. It was just like they were black and they were having love, and that was fabulous. And here we have two queer women and they're just, we're just having some love and the issues come from miscommunication and fear of failure versus uh, homophobia. So that's really enjoyable. And if that's something that turns you off of like, if you're tired of your queer main characters, just getting a lot of having to face homophobia, biphobia, whatever, this is a good option for you because that was not really present. And let's see, we are running up near the end, so there's just a few other things I need to talk about, and that is going to be the ending. Typically, i like to begin with the ending here in the discussion section, but that, today we're going to end with the ending and say that it was really well written. Throughout the whole time, like, you kind of know things have to fall apart because they're fake dating, or they're being fake engaged, and She's, like, falling in love and is in love with the sister, which that's the other thing I really enjoyed about this. It was very unique concept of you're fake engaged to one person and you fall in love with his sister. It just was really nice. A nice twist also on fake dating because typically in fake dating, you fall in love with each other, which don't get me wrong. I eat that up. I love it. But it was really fun that it was, no, you fell in love with the sister. So, like, the twist was really enjoyable. And then, but the ending angst and the third act conflict were really good. I bought it. It was believable. It made sense. You knew it was coming. And it wasn't necessarily miscommunication. And, like, I kind of felt the entire time that her graphic novel was going to come into play. Like, that somehow Jack was going to find it on Drawn 2. And um, that's kind of, but I didn't, like, think she was going to find it and the whole family would find about the fake engagement. I thought it was going to be about something else. I don't know. Um, And then I also felt like Ellie actually had to do work on herself and grow as a character in order for her and Jack to get together at the end of the book. Like she had to realize that she was paralyzed by a fear of failure and just like instead of trying, she just stopped and wasn't like moving forward. And it was also interesting because her... And her friend Meredith at the end, Meredith has been like studying for the bar and she ends up confessing that she actually failed the bar the first time, but didn't feel like she could actually tell Ellie that she took it or failed because of Ellie's toxic ideas about failure. I think that's also an interesting, it's not necessarily a commentary and I don't have time really to get into it, but I think that's also very interesting and important kind of conversation about friendship and how sometimes like giving and taking in friendship and also like not letting your own messed up opinions about something reflect on others. I don't know. We don't have time to unpack all of that. But I did like that Ellie did have to face her fears and move forward. And there was also like a nice little bit here in the um, acknowledgement section that I'm going to read that um, the author wrote. And um Basically, she talks about how she was writing this book after just selling the charm offensive, and it was like going out into the public, and she was really afraid of what people would think about it. And so she was also paralyzed by a fear of failure also. And the last few lines of her acknowledgment say, if like Ellie, you find yourself frozen by fear, afraid to share your story and yourself, please know I've been there too. And there's joy and connection on the other side. And I just thought that was really nice and touching. And that was a wonderful note for me to then put the book down and go to bed. I just dropped my book on my vent. Oopsie. But anyways, that was a wonderful way to just end it. And I think that's a wonderful way to end this episode as well, minus, you know, all the closing out information. So if you couldn't tell, I really liked this book. I honestly, did I say anything negative about it? I don't think I did. And I don't really have any big negative things about it. It was nice. It was great. Was it my favorite romance I read this year? No. Did I get a little teary-eyed but no tears during the angst at the end? Yes, especially when Ellie confesses her feelings and Jack is like, "Uh, no. Uh, I couldn't believe that happened. I was honestly quite shocked. So anyways, I would absolutely recommend this. If you uh, are just wanting to squeeze one last book in before Christmas or right after Christmas, this is the one. And if you're like, if it's in July, if if you're listening to this in July, and you're really wanting Christmas in July, this is a great one also, or just wait around for next year. But I absolutely recommend it. Next week will not be my 2022 wrap up that will hopefully be in two or three weeks. I am flying back home to see my family for two weeks tomorrow and will not be bringing my microphone. So I can't record my uh, wrap up until I get back. So that'll be the first or second week of January. But I'm like 99% sure that the next episode that I have to go is West with Giraffes by I don't remember who it's not in front of me. And that is the first book I read when I was concussed. And I actually recorded that episode when I was concussed as well, um, without looking at the screen. So you get to hear all of that. And with And when we, once we get there, we're finally caught up from, um, my break, sort of, of what I took. Not necessarily caught up, but, like, we no longer have episodes that I recorded months ago. Now, well, I guess I did record that in October, but you get the gist. We're finally getting to more recent reads of mine, even though they're still not that recent, because I read that book first or second week of October. But uh, thank you for sticking with me. Please rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast. It would mean a lot to me. And if you leave a review, it helps other people find it. And um, I would greatly appreciate it. It's the season of giving. And I gave you this wonderful book recommendation and episode. I would love if you reciprocated and gave me a a nice review or a nice five-star rating. That would mean a lot. Um, If you want to talk about this book, this podcast, this episode, whatever, you can DM me on Instagram at I read a book once blog or send me an email at I read a book once blog at gmail.com. I have not been posting on Instagram recently. Don't know when or if I'll pick that back up, but I do check it occasionally. So I will see those messages and I love chatting with people. So especially about books. So with that, my name is Emma. This was I read a book once and I'll catch you guys next time. <laughs>